Those are mm-hmm. running back, draft, winners, and losers. Let's move on to some wide receivers. Mark, you're going to start us out here. Okay, certainly. So for me, I think the easy and the clear uh, winner is Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry is arguably the best wide receiver coming out in this draft class. He's got all the talent in the world. He also has the coolest name spelling. Yes. I don't want to interrupt you there. The N apostrophe K, Nikhil. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I love it. He's got a Uh, football name, you know? and And to be drafted in the first round shows incredibly high draft capital for a team that really doesn't use first-round picks for offensive weapons all that frequently, and when they do, they definitely have high expectations for them. And there's that giant gaping void in the Pats' wide-receiving core. I mean, it is they... huge. Yes. And yeah. they, 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 out of this is what impresses me about Belichick and Brady the most. They won a Super Bowl with without all-star wide receivers. I mean, they had Edelman, and that's it. Philip Dorsett on the like they do so much with so little. Any name, even Nikhil, which is a great football name, is going to succeed here. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that he's got one of the few opportunities of the rookie wide receivers coming out to make a solid impact almost right off the bat. He's also a nice big body that can almost replace. I'm not saying he can replace Gronk, but at least has that physical profile to be able to be down in the goal line and be able to have that physical presence in there to be able to block out, to be able to make that jump ball catch. And I think he'll mm-hmm. be a favorite target from Brady really early on. And, and the big thing is, is that he is so, uh, he, he's like a switchblade. You could put him anywhere. You could put him in the X, Y, or Z. He can go to the outside. He could be a gadget player. He can go to the slot. He could, he could do it all. And the Pats definitely, I think, I think Pats are uh, thinking they got a discount at the draft. They just draft so well. They had a huge number of picks. Do do how many picks did they have, Steve, during this year? It's like um, unordinarily it, it, high. It, they had seven picks in the first three rounds. Um, not, I think they had, I think they picked a uh, ten total. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I but um yeah. I do I, I do believe that they had uh I believe it was seven in the first three rounds. And you could always count on New England to make the high impact picks. Now from a wide receiver with the uh, best name in the NFL, we're gonna go to um two of the most confusing names in the NFL. That is uh Marquez Valdez Scantling and Equiminius St. Brown. They are my wide receiver winners. Now one sounds like a brand of coffee. The other one sounds like a Kentucky Derby horse. And uh, <laughs> they are both wide receiver winners. And here's why. We need a number two and a number three wide receiver for one of uh, the best quarterbacks in history in Aaron Rodgers. They have only had one for as long as uh, we would care to remember. Devontae Adams, it's been his show. They need a second. They need a third. And I thought for sure during the draft they were going to go wide receiver at some point. They are not. They are standing pat with the core that they have. Um, we're projecting that is uh, Equimini St. Brown is going to be the, the number one guy here. But Marquez Valdez-Scanling had a better season. Um, we saw some uh, offseason move. Randall Cobb is now out. There's a gaping hole, and they are going in-house to fill that void. Um, mm-hmm. They also grabbed uh, Jay Sternberg, uh, tight end from Texas, taken with the 75th overall pick um, to sit behind Jimmy Graham for at least the next couple of years. 
there there was a serious question as to whether they were going to stand pat or take a wide receiver. They are going with what they have, and that makes Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Equimania St. Brown winners for me in this NFL draft class. Mark, those are two guys that I believe you were invested in last season. Which one? I was invested in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and it was infuriating because much like many other wide receiver tandems in the past, any time that I would start them, of course it was the game that they would flounder in, and of course when I benched them, it would be the game that they would go off in. Uh, so it was incredibly frustrating, but I do still think Marquez Van, uh, Valdez-Scandling is the one to own, personally. Steve, what do you think about Geronimo Allison? He seems to kind of just be the, the the redheaded stepchild of this wide receiver core. No one really I wants him. With, I, I disagree with that assessment. 20 catches think, for 303 and 2 last season. But that's he was injured. Because, yeah, he yeah, got well, injured. He was, he was because he, he has Aaron Rodgers' trust. They wanted to keep Geronimo Allison and that is because he has Aaron Rodgers' trust. Aaron Rodgers loves Geronimo Allison. As long as he stays healthy, I think Allison is going to have a big season. Allison is clearly the number two in this offense if he is healthy. And he also has a really cool name. I mean, I don't want to make too much of this, but come on, Geronimo. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that must be a theme of t- of today's show, guys, with cool names, because, Steve, you are uh, stepping us off with your wide receiver winner, and it is... Debo Samuels of the 49ers. Doesn't that sound like Debo? it should be a, is a Star Wars name? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Debo. Uh, but I think I think Debo Samuel and a lot of draft uh, a lot of draft experts uh, have said that Debo is like the best re- route running receiver in this draft and He went to the 49ers. Have- Yes, with a with a very timed um, offense where you need to have precise route running. So I think that this is going to play to Debo Samuel's strength. He can go inside and outside um, from the slot to the outside. He can get separation. He's not a burner, but he can get separation. Um, and he could take advantage, and he is really good at taking advantage of, of soft zone. And I think, along with Nikhil Harry, I think Debo Samuel can also make an instant impact. Instant, as a instant impact. And when we look at that, uh, Pierre Garcon will be gone. Marquise Goodwin only caught 23 balls. He had problems staying on the field. You get Jimmy Garoppolo back, which is a huge, huge upgrade for this offense. Um, Dante Pettis caught 27 balls last year, and he was the leading wide receiver that's rough so immediately Debo is going to upgrade this offense and with Jimmy G back 49ers we I have no idea what to expect from this ball club I have no idea what 49ers are capable of next year we were all high on them wide receiver the, the injury bug hit I have no idea how to project any of these players Mark what are you thinking here with these 49ers team I'm kind of right there with you I'm having such a hard time I'm really trying not to get my hopes up, though. I'm going to be trying to stay along with the average. I think that it will still take some uh, some time for Debo to get his feet wet in there. Uh, so outside, honestly, I'm not sure who I, I mean, need to you, be. You really. look at their roster they're going to next season. You have Tevin Coleman, mm-hmm. Jarek McKinnon, mm-hmm. Matt Breida. I don't know what's going on there. I think it's Jarek McKinnon is the guy to own, but I don't know. Marquise Goodwin... Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Trent Taylor. Kittle's safe, right? Is yeah, Kittle like the only safe. safe player? Kittle's I, the only safe draft. I, I think 
I think for who to draft fantasy wise, um, pass catching wise would definitely be Debo, Dante Pettis, and George Kittle. No Goodwin. You're low on the Goodwin. I'm very low on Goodwin. He can't stay healthy. So he's going to be Badwin. Oh gee. I was thinking of a tire joke to make, but okay, we just got to move on. Talk about Badwin. Let's uh, talk about the uh, Doug Badwin from uh, <laughs> Seattle. Um, Mark, that is your big uh, wide receiver loser. That is my big wide receiver loser, and this was actually even before the news came out that uh, he's healing incredibly slowly, and he might not ever ever be able to return to NFL form. This was just based off of the drafting of DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. I, they had they took the most at least physical freak well, wide receiver in the draft. People that, sure. people thought was going to be going way further than he did end up getting drafted. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I think that the Seattle Seahawks got a steal with DK Metcalf. Certainly, he fills a need that they're going to have, and I think the Doug Baldwin era in Seattle might be completely over. And you can't get much more loser than that. For sure yeah. now. Um, it's looking more and more every day with, with the, the news that he will, his, his NFL career may be over. If it's not, it'll certainly be hampered. He is the uh, slot receiver there now. Um, the West Nevada receiver core, um, you got DK Metcalf, you got Tyler Lockett, you got David Moore. Um, Russell Wilson just signed one of the, the biggest contract in NFL history, and it seems his team is more uh, more than ever trying to run the ball, which doesn't really suit very well for um, Doug Baldwin, even if he does make it back. This is a run-first team. I, I don't get it, but that, that's, the, what, that's what they're trying to do now. And Jerron Brown could potentially be interesting. I'm not... That would be a super late flyer, but especially early season, if they can't get DK Metcalf started... He could be an interesting person to keep an eye out too. Absolutely. Now, my big wide receiver loser is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the second time we're talking about them this season. They lost Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill. Uh, that's a huge, huge, huge deal. Um, Tyreek Hill. Now he's one of the fastest players um, in the NFL, and and the thing that about about him. He could catch the ball. Tyree caught everything thrown his way. He, he was just a black hole for, for targets, and he caught everything. They drafted McCole Hardman from Georgia, who's 5'11 with 433 speed. That's one of the fastest combine times ever. He can stretch the field like Tyreek, but he's not Tyreek Hill. I don't see him have, having the, uh, the, the hands. Um, I don't see him replacing Tyreek automatically. I, I think a lot of analysts are saying he's going to step right in and fill the void, but... We have some stats here. Tyreek was 87 for 1,479 and 12 touchdowns in 2019. 109 touches if you add his rushes. They're not going to get that first year from McCole Hardman. Now, only 16 rookies in the um, have gotten 1,000 yards since 1978. Six of them are still playing. A.J. Green, Kenan Allen, OBJ, Mike Evans, Kelvin Benjamin. That doesn't seem to fit the mold. And Michael Thomas. Now, can... Chiefs do it? Yes. Is it likely? No. You're looking for 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns from a rookie. It's not going to happen. The Chiefs downgraded their wide receiver core, and it's the Sammy Watkins time, which is even scarier. So a lot lot of stuff here to look at for Kansas City Chiefs. They are a wide receiver loser, even if you like McCall Hardman. 
even if Sammy Watkins takes a step, they are still losing in this wide receiver core during this season. Steve, you were shaking your head. Yes, shaking your head. No, you're you're all over the place. What are, what are your thoughts here? Um, I, oh man, it's just so hard to judge because like it's an Andy Reid offense, and when Andy and you know, I trust Andy Reid more than I, more than most offensive coaches in the NFL. You know, he he's well, he's had great it, systems. He's given yeah. you every reason to. You know, because when Tyreek Hill came on as a rookie, it you know he he was able when they finally got his chance to start, he thrived. So I mean, there is. But a he strong... wasn't a thousand yards. No, not that, his rookie but year. They, but but that's because um, Tyreek Hill started the last I think six or seven games of the season. Yes, my um... big my biggest problem with Mikel Hardman is I'm I hope he can stay healthy. The one thing that you got to say about Tyreek Hill is he was a tough guy. He went out there and took hit after hit after hit and got up. And not everybody's built like that. That's what I worry about, about a relatively undersized wide receiver who's going to be asked to do what Tyreek Hill did last year. Absolutely. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see. If he can stay healthy, he has the chance to pop and be that rookie breakout. But... It's just hard to predict. You, you have to also take some Patrick Mahomes regression into this. Not that I think that he's not the quarterback he's promised to be. 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns with 12 interceptions, that only happens a couple times in their career. Pat Mahomes is going to take a step back. It might be a little tiny step back, but he's not going to throw for 5,000, and he doesn't have the weapons to do it. I am low on this KC team, just with the turnover, with the off-the-field stuff. The, the identity of this squad has changed drastically since game one of last season. And I'm pumping the brakes on the KC Chiefs with their wide receiver losers. Now, I think we're going to hit up to... Who's up next? Steve? Steve. Steve. Yep. You have wide yep. receiver loser for us. And I love this guy to death. I have so much respect for him. But you gotta you got to say that Larry Fitzgerald might be a draft loser here. Because the... Cardinals, they had a really good draft haul, but they chose three wide receivers. Andy Isabella in the second round, Hakeem Butler in the fourth round, and Keyshawn Johnson in the sixth round. The and, second coming of Keyshawn Johnson. I feel and, like this and, is a fantasy show from 1996. <laughs> yeah. And while draft grades may have separated um, these guys into their separate rounds, they all have one thing in common. They're all super fast. And, you know, as much as we all love Larry Fitzgerald, he's not as fast as he used to be. And so Cliff Kingsbury, he made a statement in this draft that they were going to commit to this air raid style of offense. And this means that this clearly means that um, Larry Fitzgerald, he's not going to be the focal point of this offense anymore. And it and it really has me wondering is this the last season that we're going to see Larry Fitzgerald? That This is the sixth season straight where I've heard that comment going into the season. Um, but eventually it has to happen, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Larry can't play forever. And let's, let's you know, talk about the elephant in the room. He has a rookie quarterback. He has a rookie quarterback who, who could be his biological son. That is the age difference with Kyler Murray here. Um, Larry Fitzgerald, Mark, you, you up or down? I'm... Will he be relevant um, is a better is I'm a better still, question. I think I personally think that he still will be relevant. A flex I'm, wide receiver. What three. I'll say is 
probably flex consideration in the early, actually maybe even wide receiver two consideration for the beginning half of the season. There is going to be that learning curve with NFL wide receivers. Uh, all these rookies coming in. Uh, I'm actually a little bit higher on Christian Kirk still. Because uh, okay. remember, he's still there as well. Uh, but in reality, you've got that steady personality of Larry Fitzgerald, which I think will build up a rapport with a young wide receiver. He still has the ability to go up and get those randomly errant thrown balls. That's what he made his career doing, making bad quarterbacks look good. Mm-hmm. So uh, I honestly absolutely. would think that Larry Fitzgerald, especially in the end zone, I think could still be a, a thing at the beginning half of the season at least. Okay, and, I, and that, that actually profiles well to an older player. We see a lot of times older players, you know, it's a long, grueling season. And um, Larry Fitzgerald has always been the kind of... Uh, yeah, has always been the kind of player who has, you know, trails off at the end of the year. We didn't see that last year for the first time in a long time. But the previous three seasons, if you look at it, this, the splits from his first 10 games to his last six, you see a pretty drastic drop in production. So definitely with a rookie uh, quarterback and a couple rookie receivers, new coach, I would love to grab Larry Fitzgerald as like a flex, play him for six games and then trade him. Straight up, um, gonna be really interesting. Definitely a, a time for Arizona fans to, you know, this is pivotal, pivotal time in the franchise. Uh, Steve, there were two last wide receivers that I believe it was you mostly you wanted to talk about. The first is uh, Marquise Brown from the Baltimore Ravens. You are high on the Ravens this year. Talk to us a little bit about Marquise Brown from Oklahoma. Well, actually, actually, with Marquise Brown, it was the opposite. You know, yeah, he's probably gonna be the number one. But this is a run-first system, and you know, I I don't, and I don't I don't know about Marquise Brown. He is he is going to the biggest run-heavy system. Like, yeah, he'll probably get all the targets, but man, I don't know. You know, this was one of the places that I did not want Marquise Brown to go to. I put I put him as a loser here. He is, you know, he has. Lamar Jackson and five other running backs in that squad, but he he's going to be the number one. Mark, does does that mean something? I think that it does. And if nothing else, for and because I really do enjoy Marquise Brown, the player, I think that he's got a huge skill set. The nice thing that I think about him is that eventually, the way that they're running the offense, you're going to start stacking that box against them, and he's got the talent to be able to go up and get those errant throws that Lamar Jackson's going to heave up. He's got that big body style where he can go up and actually make those plays once he's scattering downfield. So if you get Lamar Jackson on the scramble, I think there's going to be a whole bunch of those just deep bombs to Marquise Brown. Uh, and it'll it relate to some fantasy and, production. And it I will do... be later on in the season once once teams start just stacking the box. But and it'll be later on in game. So he's going to be that type of player that he's going to have a big goose egg on your bench or in your lineup for three quarters of the game, but he's going to be a garbage time monster. I think it could be for sure. And, and we don't think we, obviously this is a run first team and that affects the touchdowns quite a bit. But if you look, Willie Sneed at 62 for 651, Michael Crabtree had 54 for 607. John Brown had 42 for 715. You had uh, Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle, both in the thirties. There are receptions to go around here and there's a big void. So I, I think the 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 thought 
you know, they had three wide receivers who had in the 50 range, um, in the 600 range. It's the touchdowns that's really killing me for the wide receivers here. There is opportunity. There will be opportunity for someone to to uh, peek their head up and, and be a true number one here. Whether that means a number one for fantasy, I would doubt, but there there could be value. Again, we're we're we're, we're fighting on on fantasy draft day. We're fighting perception against reality, and the reality is maybe maybe um, there is one more from the Colts. Uh, one of I think this is one of Mark's favorite players here, uh, Paris Campbell. Now Campbell is drafted in the second round in a quick quick pass offense for sure. Um, uh, T.Y. Hilton need needs someone on his other side, and uh, we think this could be Paris Campbell. Who wants to talk a little bit about Paris Campbell from the Colts? I got this um, because like he. It, T.Y. Hilton, you know, he, he's best on the outside. Paris Campbell's going to play in the slot. And one of the reasons why Andrew Luck was able to not take so many hits this past year is because Frank Wright has that really good quick-time pass offense. And, you know, with with Paris Campbell's ability to get yak and separation, this could be he – could, he could finally be that number two receiver the Colts have been looking for. Absolutely. Now, uh, Colts are heavily invested in tight ends, but you always want someone else on uh, T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton has been, you know, getting the lion's share, being a little overworked, in my opinion, over there. Um, really good stuff. Now, is is there any final comments, anything else we want to touch on before we conclude our 2019 draft winners and losers? I, I would just keep a lookout for Jimmy Graham because um, the Stern, Sternberger... That the um that the Packers drafted, man, that could that could really impact whether Jimmy Graham sees the field for the Packers again. I always trust tight ends named Jace and I'll... Kyle Rudolph. And Kyle... were you about to say Kyle Rudolph, Mark? No, I was about to say that I I really don't care because I'm not interested in any of the Packers' tight ends as long as Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is still the quarterback. He just doesn't throw to him. Uh, uh, also keep out, also keep an eye out for Kyle Rudolph. There were rumors that New England may have wanted to trade for him, and that is because of um, the tight end that they took in the second round, who is a field stretching tight end. The Vikings took. Absolutely, a lot, a lot of really uh, interesting stuff going on this season. Uh, we didn't touch on tight ends today. Maybe we will next uh, week. I think the show was long enough. We don't want to add another forty-five minutes. Um, guys, have a great week. Uh, thanks for joining us, Steve. Have a great week, everybody. Mark, as always. Take care, everyone. Be good, guys.